Yep. Welcome back, folks. Thank you for joining us here on Truth in a Thousand Words or Less. As always, my name is Stephen Craig. I am the host, author of Truth in a Thousand Words or Less. So happy to have you join us. Oh, it's been one of those weeks. Oh, it's been one of those weeks. Oh, so, um, so you know, usually I, uh, I, uh, truth in a thousand words comes out on, uh, on Thursdays. Hopefully, all of you uh, listening here on the podcast, um, those of you who read the column uh, on a regular basis, you all know that. Um, but uh, this this has been uh, this has been a week, and um, if you might have noticed, the column even came out later in the day on Thursday. Um, and uh and then podcast is coming out here today on friday uh and uh, you know won't go into all the all the stuff i have going on in my life none of you want to fucking hear that like (laughs) but um but it has been a week and uh to be perfectly honest uh the real reason for not getting everything going on thursday morning was uh taking my son to go see uh to go see green day on wednesday night his first concert like i can't believe i'm taking my 14 year old son uh, his first concert was actually supposed to be uh, in um, was supposed to be uh, in summer of 2020. Of course, canceled due to COVID, postponed due to COVID. And um, there's nothing like taking your kid to, your, to his first concert. He was super psyched. Um, I, his sister often listens to the podcast. So hi, sweetheart. Uh, it was great taking your brother. Um, it was a needed needed respite for all of us. But uh, he, I think, he really enjoyed it. Uh, and I did too. I um, Green Day's great in concert. Um, you know, whatever you whatever you may think. It. Billy Joe's a heck of a um, heck of an artist. And uh, if you if you, by the way, if you never checked out the album he did with uh, Nora Jones, I I highly recommend it. Uh, but that's off topic for right now. The um, where I wanted to start off with the open this week uh, was the response. As I said, there was a delay in the usual. So usually I'm I record the podcast before. Um, before I publish the the column itself, um, it all kind of comes at the same time, and I have that all set up to to do so. And uh, this week was a little different. Obviously, I'm recording the podcast now about uh, 24 hours after um, after releasing the the written version, and uh, <laughs> the uh, it, it got some response. And I I um, I don't generally apologize for uh, the ideas that I express in my column uh, in large part because those are my ideas and if you don't like it well then fucking don't read it um, <laughs> it's my, you know it's my ideas um, it's my thoughts on things you don't have to agree I don't know where we've gotten in this culture uh, where where we feel like we need to be an arch nemesis to something we don't agree with it's okay and uh, in this week's column there are a lot of people who read regularly and uh, oftentimes respond encouragingly, uh, and this week wasn't their week. You know, they disagreed with what I had to say, and I, perfect, okay, that's that's great. Um, and for the most, you know, listen, for there was, um, you know, I, I've always told people that when you respond, I I, I wrote about this actually um, about a year ago, about how I I I love I I love no matter what the engagement, um, it's okay to disagree like that. That's that's out of my hands. Um, I write what I write because I, I enjoy it. 
um, and I enjoy the craft. And so uh, when people disagree with that, that that's perfectly fine by me. Um, you know, when, when it gets personal, uh, I always tell people to stick to the ideas. Um, you know, let's keep away from the personal stuff. It's just, it's just never constructive. Um, but disagree with my ideas all you want. Um, that's that's perfectly legit. That's what this is for. Uh, and there was plenty of that this week. As I said, I don't usually apologize for the for the um, for the content in the sense that it, it's meant to provoke. Um, it's intended to you know get your intellectual juices flowing, not necessarily to convince you or to try to tell you to agree with me. Um, that's part of the that's part of who I always was as a teacher. It's part of who I am as a writer. Um, the idea is to, it's not to persuade per se as much as to, to, be, to provoke thought, uh, to get you to critically think for yourself. And uh, that was particularly the case this week. But what I did want to, um, you know, I, I talked about it um, with a number of people, both online and at home, about, um, about the the title of this week's column is uh, "Shame on Us for Not Shaming," and I I use the word shame in this column um, in a context that I think um, kept a lot of people who read the column from being able to be um, to really um, resonate with what I was trying to say. Um, and I think maybe if I replaced the word shame with educate, uh, might have been um, might have. I think garnered a more positive response. The word shame has uh, has come to have such a negative connotation in our society, and rightfully so. I mean, shame is used in a lot of ways. People, <laughs> there have been uh, a lot of people spending times on therapist couch, quite rightly, quite rightly, um, having to um, having to do with the um, with the shame that they encountered as as a young person or even as an adult. And I, I didn't mean shame in that kind of context. And I tried really deliberately because um, the idea is uh, in the column, as you'll see as we get into it here in just a little bit, is to talk about the obesity issue in the United States uh, and about getting back to the point of um, getting out of just telling our kids, hey, eat, eat whatever you want, do whatever you want, like um, in regards to their dietary choices or, t you know, they, they can exercise, they cannot exercise. We we can't, we have to, um, at some point or another, we have to address how that is impacting our society. And, um, and so in any case, I, I wanted to talk about, talk about it in that context um, and say that shame in that regard, labeling something as bad, is not necessarily always a bad thing, that we can label those as quote-unquote bad choices, bad decisions. Uh, just like we would say, right, if you're came home and your 15 year old was doing meth <laughs> you would tell them that's flipping bad right i remember when my kid swore as a you know like when you, your kid drops their first f-bomb and you're like hey you can't say that that's a bad word well to me that was the, what i meant by the word shaming labeling something as bad and i think that when you think of the word shame in that context it doesn't necessarily have to ascribe to a person i'm not telling kid, people that we I've really tried to stay away from the idea that we should be shaming people for body image or shaming people because of um, shaming the person uh, for who they are and the, the, the right the, that that getting away from shaming the person and trying to get to shaming the choice and the behavior 
And I, people had a difficulty with that as well and saying, hey, you know, kids can't delineate between when you shame the person and when you shame the behavior. And I was like, I, I take exception to that, that we do that all the time, right? Like when my kid swears and I go, hey, don't say that, that's a bad word. I, I am giving, I am telling them that I'm shaming the behavior but not necessarily shaming them. I love them unconditionally. And my kids will always know that, always, <laughs> um, no matter what they do. And likewise, uh, we tell them a number of things that we tell them are quote unquote bad without telling them that they are a bad person. We distinguish between, in my mind, using the word shame, but of, of saying a behavior is bad versus the kid is bad. Um, but perhaps, perhaps the word shame uh, given the connotation, right? Words, we can talk about words denotations, what the dictionary means and what the connotation is. The word, which, which is all the other stuff that it brings up in people's minds, if you don't know connotation. And I think the word shame, as I, as I have read through the feedback in the last 24 hours in the column, the word shame has such, not just negative connotations for people, but really almost crippling. Um, debilitating sort of uh, understanding of what that word means. And I think it's because of a lot of um, the sort of the, the people's history with that word. And so um, perhaps as you listen to this week's column, think more on the lines of, um, I'd, I'd stress you to hear it in the sense of educate. Um, and I do, I apologize that um, perhaps that the word shame, um, that the word, my use of that word inevitably led to an understanding of what I was trying to convey uh, that was not that was not what I was intending. And so, um, yeah, I think with that, I will read this week's column and we'll come back to it at the end. Shame on us for not shaming. My students rarely believe them when I tell them this, but I was once a fat kid. <laughs> All right. It's true. When I was in eighth grade, I actually weighed more than I do now. And though my parents tried to reassure me with the euphemistic understanding that I was really just pleasantly plump. <laughs> yeah, a phrase I readily understood to be complete and utter bullshit. Let me assure you that the torment and ridicule I got, especially from my peers, was painful and pervasive. Things were different back in those days when body shaming was a way of life. And I was constantly subjected to the verbal abuse of my classmates, an abuse that left me embarrassed and desperately wanting a change. And for that, I am eternally grateful. After all, it was that pain and sadness that propelled me to, make, to making better choices about my body and, more importantly, my health. Like many of the obese children in our nation today, I was headed down a path towards significant health issues and lower life expectancy largely predicated on a lifestyle comprised of far too much garbage in my diet and far too little exercise in my daily regimen. For the most part, I subsisted on hot dogs and macaroni and cheese and ketchup somehow constituted a vegetable. But adolescence can make one painfully self-conscious, and no one is better at pointing out and accentuating our faults than adolescent boys. So when the torment of my peers finally got to be too much, and my dating prospects proved non-existent, I decided once and for all to change my diet and exercise habits, and have never looked back since. It is with that backdrop, then, that I suggest that while body shaming may be incredibly, incredibly hurtful at times, 
<clears throat> in the end, it may just serve a purpose that has gone notably wanting since it became verboten in the era of hypersensitivity and political correctness. While we may have nothing but good intentions in wanting to shield our kids from the unpleasant emotions of adolescent teasing, we may be exposing them to an even more agonizing life of deleterious health impacts directly related to their weight. Since the rise of a heightened consciousness regarding body shaming in the late 1990s, the rate of childhood obesity in the United States has ballooned to an astronomical 19.3%. That's like one out of every five kids, people. Obese, not overweight, obese. This, of course, is translated into an obesity rate in adults that now stands at over 40%, almost half of the entire adult population. Obese, not overweight. The overweight number is like 70%. Freed from the boundaries imposed by societal pressure, less than 1 in 10 kids now eat their recommended daily intake of vegetables, and less than 1 in 4 get the exercise needed to maintain a healthy lifestyle. And slowly but surely, this is killing us. With obesity tied to higher, rate, higher incidences of diabetes, heart disease, and some types of cancer, our life expectancy has actually decreased for the first time in generations, as even technology and modern medicine can't make up for the devastating impacts our diet and lack of exercise are having on our lifespans. At no point was this more apparent than in the COVID era, where obesity was the second leading corollary to adverse health consequences and death from COVID, along with age. In fact, I think I read the statistic recently that uh, almost 70% of COVID people who died from COVID were obese. But instead of using all that time away from the office and school to get in shape, what did most of America do? <laughs> Pack on another 20 pounds and call it the COVID-19. And before you start telling me about how this is a matter of personal freedom, that folks should have the choice to be fat and unhealthy if they so choose, let me let you in on a little fact that shows just how much the personal health choices of some people impact everyone else. Given the wide array of adverse corollary health impacts, obesity in America costs our already bloated health care system $147 billion dollars each and every year. That means that all the rest of us have to kick in a thousand bucks each year to help offset the cost of other people's poor diet and lack of exercise. Suddenly, other people's freedoms don't seem so free. Now do they? Now, <clears throat> one of the comments I got on the column <laughs> in the last 24 hours was also the idea about the role of uh, socioeconomics play in this. Um, and this is where sometimes you wonder if people, uh, if they really read the column all the way through or they didn't, uh, because here's where I address exactly that. Yes, I fully understand that socioeconomics and genetics play a significant role in all of this. But in the end, statistics show that both these elements can be mitigated with healthy choices regarding our diet and exercise. If we're going to pour all that money into healthcare for a beef folks at the lower end of the socioeconomic spectrum, right? We're we're pouring all this money into their healthcare at the, you know, to take care of them after they're sick and unwell because they've eaten in eaten so poorly, right? And made such poor health choices. Why not move upstream on this issue and start developing education and nutrition programs for underprivileged families 
so that they can have the resources they need to empower them to make impactful life choices and start to rein in the personal and societal costs of obesity. I, I heard recently, you know, during the pandemic, they had up food stamps to about what comes out to about seven bucks a day. That's up from us the usual $4 a day. If you're trying to feed yourself and your family on four bucks a person per day, you can't afford, you're not going to Whole Foods. I'm all about the idea <clears throat> of using the resources that we pour into healthcare after the fact and start realizing that food, diet, exercise are our preventative care for our society. To pay the money up front and help people maintain their bodies in a healthy way so that we're not paying for all the catastrophic dietary effects that happen down the road. That's a huge systemic change, but yes. Now, some of you out there may not be old enough to remember this, but it was only in 1995 that the very first ban on smoking in restaurants went into effect. Over the 25 years since, smokers have been relegated to unpleasant, out-of-the-way outdoor smoking areas, huddled together like expelled refugees freezing out in the cold to get their fix. <clears throat> but back in the 50s and 60s, smoking was... Smoking was something like all the cool kids did to rebel from their parents. Y'all remember Grease, don't you? But a series of targeted marketing campaigns came in and shamed people out of smoking. The result? Smoking dropped off precipitously from a 1954 high of 45% of the population to just over 16% in 2018. We literally shamed people out of smoking and into better health all without depriving them of their freedom to make their own choices. <clears throat> sure, I understand the impact shaming has on eating disorders, especially with young women, but data suggests that our issues related to obesity far outweigh, no pun intended, the relatively small number of folks who suffer on the other side. Perhaps this pendulum has swung just a bit too far, and a little shaming focused more on health than physical appearance could go a long way in stemming the tide of obesity in this country. I am not suggesting that we go back to an era of shaming people based upon physical appearance. I'm going to say that again because I'm going to come back to it at the end of the column. I am not suggesting <clears throat> that we go back <clears throat> to an era of shaming people based upon physical appearance especially since body composition can often be genetically predetermined and body shaming can have its own deleterious effects. But I do think we need to distinguish here between shaming over body image and shaming people for making poor behavioral choices. Just as shaming people for smoking cigarettes led to a marked decline in that pernicious habit, so too can shaming be used to discourage unhealthy eating habits and a lack of exercise. Otherwise, we will continue to have a hefty problem on our hands and all the negative health impacts that go with it. So I, I <clears throat> in coming to the end of the column, sorry, I'm starting to cough, but in any case, the, <laughs> I swear I haven't taken up smoking. It would be incredibly ironic given the context of the column. Um, but in any case, I, I think, again, I apologize if the word... It, it, not if, I hate apologies with if. I apologize that my use of the word shaming um, conveyed to people uh, something which I wasn't intending, which was the idea of body shaming. And I, I really tried in that last paragraph to give a different sense of what I meant by the word shaming. So let me take a moment and, and try to focus 
folks in on what that is. So if you are listening to the podcast, you can hear, get a grasp of just what I mean by this. I'm not talking about shaming people for their behavior or I'm sorry, for people, for their their body image or anything, that's super unhealthy. <clears throat> it leads to a number of issues. Um, I had a, a cousin who lived with us back when I was younger, um, who in fact uh, developed eating disorders, had to spend a month um, in um, in the hospital uh, getting treatment for that. And, and I, I, I've seen firsthand um, the dangers that go along with that. I, I'm not in any way, shape or form suggesting bringing back body shaming. But there's a difference between sh- shaming a behavior and shaming the person. And shaming the idea, like as we did with cigarettes, we, we as I said, I think that example is a pretty good one. Um, we sit there and tell kids, don't do that. It's a bad habit, right? It's a bad habit. Don't do that. I say that to my kids all the time. Nobody freaks out about it. We need to tell our kids similar things. Like, I told my kid, he, you know, he was going to, he wanted to go meet his buddies at Starbucks. And I was like, absolutely, here's 10 bucks. Don't go get a Frappuccino. And he happens to be hypoglycemic, so like the sugar's just awful for him anyways in particular. But just in general, those things are shit for your body. They are. I used to tell my students this all the time. <laughs> they would come in every morning and they would act like freaks because they drank. A, if you look at what how much sugar a Frappuccino has, it has your daily intake, your recommended daily intake of sugar in one single cup. And that's in a small, in the small. And the kids would come in with the giant larges. We have to, we have to, whether you call it education or shaming, we have to be brave enough and bold enough to tell our kids that's a bad dietary choice. We don't have to shame the kid and say, oh, you're a bad person if you had one. My kid did it once he you know he came home he's like okay i i just you know i had a frappuccino i was like hey bud don't do that again it's really a bad choice i didn't sit there and tell him he was a bad human being i told him if anything i was like i appreciate your honesty now don't do that again it's a bad choice now go out and ride your flipping bike (laughs) because it's a good you can get some exercise go it's good for us to tell our kids and our and our adults for that matter Get off your ass. Go exercise. It's okay to tell people, go exercise. It's good for you. It's not shaming the person. It's shaming the inactivity, saying that's not a good way to live your life. It's, I'm sorry, I'm not trying to be moral about it. It's the idea of it's what is healthy and not. I'll end at this point by I don't know if any of you, how many of you watched the movie Wally, all the way to the end, because like people, a lot of people watched Wally and got bored and shit watching it, and then turned it off. Um, but if you made it all the way to the end of Wally, it's actually a really poignant film. And at the the whole beginning half of the movie, Wally's on a futuristic planet Earth, and it's a, a wasteland. It's been completely. He's he's cleaning up the trash off of it because human beings have trashed it, and that's another whole issue altogether. But eventually he um, is taken aboard a ship, which uh, spaceship, to where all the, all the human beings that deserted Earth went. And uh, when it gets up there, every single one of the human beings is you know, huge, overweight. They can barely move. They can barely stand up and walk and use their bodies anymore. And 
the more we progress towards that obesity, the more prescient that movie comes. When I was when I was watching that movie, that was what I that was where I was trying to get in the end in this column was to try to inevitably get people to recognize that there is that those consequences for our choices are long lasting and we should have the strength and courage as parents to stand up and help our kids make better choices. So I apologize if the word shame came across in that context. Call it educate. I'm fine with it either way. The point's the same. Eat healthier. Go ride a flipping bike. Or go for a walk. Whatever you like to do. In any case, folks, that is it for this week's Truth in a Thousand Words or Less. I am so glad to have you here. Thank you so much for being here. We will see you next week. Thank you, folks. Thanks for listening to Truth in a Thousand Words or Less. I'm Stephen Craig. Peace out.